with you. But we're going to have something similar today, and we're going to look at the book of James. We're going to turn to James. Have your Bible opened up to the first chapter of James. It's not a long reading by any means today. It's only two verses as we now turn our attention to what James shall tell us for our third in our series of Rediscovering Christmas and our Christmas message as we turn to James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Now, as you find James this morning, I want to ask you a question. It's a question I want you to start pondering, start thinking about. You don't have to shout out the answer by any means. But the question is, what is the most prized gift you've ever received? It may be Christmas. It may be some other time of year. But what is the most prized gift you've ever received? As you're pondering that and thinking about what that could be, ask yourself also this question as a follow-up. Do you still have that gift? Or did somehow did the gift that you thought about that was the best you've ever received, no matter what time of the year it may have been, did it begin to tarnish and rust, maybe even decompose, rot, spoil, become outdated where you eventually just threw it out because it wasn't any useful anymore? I remember when my kids were younger, probably around the ages of 6 to 10, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't remember the exact age they were when this happened. But I bought them a video game console. It was the Nintendo 64. I was working at Tyson Foods in Missouri, and I had a business trip I had to take to Arkansas, probably to Springdale, where their headquarters were. And as we were there, we had some free time. So I, I went shopping or went somewhere, maybe Walmart or GameStop, and it was just about the time that the Nintendo 64 was coming available for purchase. So I saw it thinking they probably would like to have a video game, and I bought it for them, and a couple of games. I don't remember exactly what video games it may have been, but it probably was like Mario Brothers something. Oh, okay. It was Donkey Kong, apparently. And, and I remember later on Banjo-Kazooie. So some of those things were brought home with the game system and gave it to the kids. And when I brought it home, you would have thought I gave them a million dollars. They were just so excited to receive that game system. And the Sheila and I would allow them to. They would have played that day and night forever. They were just that excited to receive it. But do you know what happened to the Nintendo 64? It got outdated. It, get, it got replaced by the GameCube, if I'm not mistaken, which was something better and newer and fresher, more exciting. And eventually, then the GameCube got replaced by the what? You remember what it was? The Wii. Yeah. And as it is then for game systems, when, when you buy a video game console, it's likely you may still have parts of that or maybe have an old one for just, you know, maybe you preserved it, but they're replaced quite rapidly, where over time, the one you had before becomes outdated and it's just not very useful anymore. So you get the newer, latest version, just like it was with the Colonel Steve Austin, the $6 billion man, $6 million man, fresher, stronger, better, right? Some of you look at me thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. It was a great television show back in the day. Six million dollar man, better, stronger, faster. As all the technology is today, when you buy something, you buy it new, it quickly becomes outdated. But yet still think about what the gift is you've ever received. It was the best gift you've ever received. And as Sheila asked the kids, do you still have those gifts? When you really begin to think about it, and that the gifts that you receive in life, they come and go. Take the phone, for instance. 
I remember as a child, when we got our first phone that we could attach to the wall. Now, some of you are really going to think I'm weird because you may be younger than I am, especially the children in here, but they're thinking a phone attached to the wall. Most phones in that day, let me explain, some of you already know, were the, 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 the units that sat on top of a desk or a table or something of that nature. And when we finally got a phone that you could actually attach to the wall, it was a big deal. And here's the thing about it, too. You had that 50-foot cord where you could attach it to the receiver and go everywhere in the house and continue to talk on it. It was, it was awesome. It was cool. But then, what happened next? They came out with the cordless phone, which is even better. I mean, you could take that baby outside and keep on talking to people if you wanted to. Now, the children looking at me, I say children, the teenagers particularly, the children removed. Now, the teenagers are in here and those probably under the age of 30 have no idea what I'm talking about because now the cell phone has become what everybody wants or that everybody has. And everybody seems to have a cell phone except for those stubborn parents like Sheila and I were that made her children wait till 16 years of age. I have kindergartners on the bus who have a cell phone. We made our children wait. We were the worst parents alive. But phones and things like that just become extinct. I mean, they, I mean, gifts come and go. Think about the gifts over the years that maybe you have received or that you've used, technology of some sort, like, like the typewriter. The, the typewriter is certainly extinct. I actually have my grandpa's old typewriter we preserve and just keep for memories. But then there's also things like the VCR. Do people still use a video cassette recorder? Show of hands, who has one? You guys are old. Not y'all back there. You really don't have a VCR. Do you have one? How about a fax machine? Anybody still use a fax machine? Not many people use a fax machine anymore. Still maybe use it some places, but not many do. How about this one? Listen, a Sony Walkman with a cassette. Anybody have that one? Years ago, yeah. I think we had one in yard sales up too many years ago. Yeah. But those things become extinct. I mean, gifts come and go. But as we're focusing on today, there is one gift that is truly unchanging, truly everlasting, and certainly perfect. Perfect for everyone, regardless of age, gender, nationality. The gift, of course, as Sheila told the children, is Jesus. The most precious, perfect gift given to mankind. Jesus is truly the unchanging, everlasting, perfect gift given to any person in this world. I mean, Jesus, when you think about it, is like a one-size-fits-all, not a one-size-fits-most, a one-size-that-fits-all. He never tarnishes, never spoils, never becomes outdated. Paul describes, as Sheila told the children in 2 Corinthians 9.15, if you look at the New Living Translation, as the gift is too wonderful for words, he also talks about it in other translations being an expressible gift or an indescribable gift. He's just that perfect of a gift. And as James informs us today, as we now turn to his word, it is a good gift, a perfect gift from above. Sam with me this morning as we do to simply read a couple of verses in the epistle from James. It's not long at all, as we mentioned earlier, it's only two verses in length, but it's verses that apply to the situation we find ourselves today as we think about gifts exchanging in Christmas. James chapter 1, 
verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Father, Lord, we do thank you for this reading today, Lord. We thank you for this precious, perfect, everlasting, unchanging gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, we should always recognize the special gift that's been given to us any day of the year, but certainly upon this time of year, because Christmas is all about your son and the coming of your son and that gift that we have been given to all of mankind. So today, Lord, let's just simply wrap our hearts and minds around this special gift and just be thankful then for not only that gift, but the special gifts you give us of every day, which we're sometimes guilty of, taken for granted. So thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, with Christmas upon us, obviously only seven days away, which is next Sunday, it seems that everyone is thinking about gifts. Like, what should I get my boss? Or what should I get my coworker, my spouse, my best friend, even my teacher, my coach? I mean, what should I get these people? I mean, it's that we're all thinking about what we should give someone for a gift, or we may be thinking and processing in our mind, what should we receive as a gift from Santa or whoever? Many of you that's older as, I, as old as I am may remember that we used to have come to us in the mail sometime between Halloween and Thanksgiving, we used to get these catalogs. We had the JCPenney catalog or the Sears catalog, and I even remember a Montgomery Ward catalog. They would come in the mail and would come to us, and there was always a great section of toys throughout the catalog. And in that toy section, we would often as kids, my brother and I, my sister and I, would always take that toy section, begin to circle items and make a wish list. We even took some of those items and put on a list that we give to Santa. I got thinking about that this week. And, and there's no such catalogs that come available anymore. Of course, when our children are younger, they actually got the Toys R Us catalog, which also now is extinct itself. But still the same remain where they would take that and circle it, and give us some ideas of what they wanted for Christmas. And they would make their little Santa list. But I was thinking about this weekend, do kids actually make a Santa list anymore? My kids have long outgrown that, and I don't really know, but I hope they do. Because it tells the parent really then what they would like to receive for Christmas, a special gift they would like to receive. So as we find ourselves a week from Christmas, if we haven't already bought some gifts, or maybe having to exchange some gifts, we're certainly doing so. So everybody's mind at this time of the year is always about the gift, what I'm going to give, what I'm going to receive. But we seldom think about the gifts given to us by our loving Father. Expressed in verse 17, as you go back to the text, notice it's described, given to us as this perfect gift by a Father of lights. Now we stop there for a minute because it's not common to call God the Father of Lights. I mean, in fact, it may seem like a bit of a strange phrase or a reference title to God, a Father of Lights. I mean, I've never called God. When I pray, I don't say God, Father of Lights. So to me, it's a little unusual to say God, the Father of Lights. So because of the unusual title, we kind of slow down and pause for a minute and maybe explain, ask ourselves, well, what does that mean? I mean, why does James 
called God the Father of lights. Is it meaningful in some way? And I turn to Dr. Jeremiah, who answers the phrase Father of lights reminds us of God's unchanging nature. The God who put the stars, sun, and moon in their places faithfully presides over his children's lives and provides everything good. Which is accurate because indeed everything God does provide us is good. And he never changes. In a world we recognized earlier where technology quickly changes everything from phones to computers to cars, become outdated really quickly, but God never changes. And even further, as Dr. Jeremiah alludes to, God cannot be tempted by evil or by darkness, nor does he tempt us to evil, because he is the giver of everything good and certainly of good gifts. Kurt Richardson adds, the gifts of God are good because they never foster evil, desire, or sin. The gifts of God are perfect because they are the fulfillment of his will for his people. It's the Father of lights gives us many wonderful gifts, many wonderful blessings, and he never imparts any evil intention upon us. As the saying is, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. But he's also telling us here, James, is that he is the light. Psalms 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And certainly God is absolutely our light. It is expressed only through his son. In the first chapter of John, you find written in verses 4 and 5, is that in him, Jesus, was life. And the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A bit later in that same chapter, verses 9 and 10, it says this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In fact, he has come. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. God gave us the light that we need in a dark world. It is his son, which we're blessed to celebrate this time of the year and upon this time every year. It is the perfect, inexpressible, indescribable gift. Are too wonderful, it's a gift too wonderful for words. Which introduces this then to us, our theme, which is this. As I mentioned earlier, and now staying again, Jesus is truly the unchanging, everlasting, and perfect gift given to mankind. It is Jesus. If there's any gift we ever should receive in life, it is only Jesus. If we've never been given any gift in life, we should always want to receive Jesus, the unchanging, everlasting, perfect gift. It's him. There's nothing better we could ever receive than Jesus. But when you stop and think about it further, God not only gives us that most precious, special gift of his son, but he's actually the source of every good gift and every blessing we've ever received. And we should recognize that. Roger Ellsworth says, look around you. What do you call good? Make no mistake about it. If you call anything good, it comes from God. Good health, family, firm and unfailing friendship, freedom, the smile of a child, the singing of the birds, 
the thunders crash of the waves, the majesty of the mountains, the warmth of a fire in, in the winter, and the cool of the breeze in the summer. We don't think about it, but he says these all come from God and thousands of other things too. If it is good, it comes from God. And if it comes from God, there is no good that comes from any source other than God. God is associated with everything good. And everything, every blessing received has always come from God. I mean, God's goodness, his blessings, his daily, sacrifice, his daily gifts he gives to us are things we mentioned earlier. We, just, we take it for granted. We, we take for granted really simply his blessings and his goodness. Every day of our life, we receive a blessing, and we take it for granted. I mean, simple things like this. Your feet hitting the floor as you wake in the morning. We don't think about that being a gift and a blessing. But as you get much older, you will. Or your first breath you took in the morning. And, and many more things. In fact, I borrowed the words of Charles Stanley, which is in your notes. He adds this. He said, do you enjoy good health and a roof over your head? If so, that is God's gift. Do you have enough to eat? A solid church home like we do? Some faithful friends? A source of income? A generous God bestows them all. God, the Father of light, gives us all these gifts. All these gifts we have in life comes from God. Even further, if we have a special talent or a special skill, it's a gift from God. God gives us everything we need to have a comfortable living. He's the giver of everything good, and every blessing we have in life comes from Him. We think we earn things. We don't truly earn anything. And certainly we never have earned the right to become the children of God. But we have only Jesus really to think of thankful that. The perfect gift given to mankind gives us the right then, as he took our sin, to become children of God. It all comes from a loving Father. John Corson says the good gifts, the perfect gifts, and the cool stuff that come your way are solely because of God's grace and kindness and benevolence. You might be a gifted musician, an intelligent person, a hard worker. Those are gifts from God by grace. They have nothing to do with you earning them. Therefore, there's no room for us to take credit for anything we're able to perform or achieve. Everything that is wonderful in your life is because of God's grace to you. And we forget about that. That God's just that good to us. I mean, this time of the year, yeah, we're going to think of Jesus as the most precious gift, but we fail to remember about every good gift. As James says here properly, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from the Father of light. We don't recognize that every gift, every good gift, every blessing comes from God. Now, on the other hand, we could ask ourselves this question. Have you ever received the gift you didn't like? I mean, think about it. I mean, you probably at some point in life have received a gift you didn't like. I mean, take this ugly sweater, for example. I hate this thing. Sheila bought it for me. I don't like it. But there's things I bought for Sheila. There's things I bought for Sheila that maybe she didn't like, too. For instance, that they... Years ago, 
when I thought it would be perfect for her to receive a shotgun. To me, that's a perfect gift. And so I thought about, what am I going to get you? I'm going to get her something special this year for her birthday. And it was near deer season, and that was back when you could only use shotgun during deer season during firearms. And so I thought, well, the perfect gift given to my wife as I wanted to take her hunting is a shotgun. So I got her one. She didn't seem to like it that well. Or better yet, one year I bought her a coat for her birthday. I don't get her anything for Christmas. But I bought her a coat for her birthday. An Indiana red coat. Now, Chris is already thinking, well, you bought the wrong gift already. Because Chris wouldn't dare wear an Indiana coat. Yeah, August sweater day. But I, here, here, I bought it in size large, extra large, if it's me. So, you know, she hasn't always been excited about the gift she received. So there's gifts that we receive in life that sometimes we're just not excited about getting. But when it happens, you know what you do when, you, when it happens? It's probably going to happen next Sunday. So prepare yourself for this. When you get under, when you get a gift sometime this week or next Sunday and you unwrap it and you begin to look at it, you're going to fake it like you like it. You're going to pretend like you like it. And all the time you're thinking in your mind, I can't wait to return this thing and get my money for this. It's what we do. Because face it, some gifts are strange. Some gifts are weird. They're the wrong size and they're just flat out ugly. And dare we say even thoughtless. But God's gifts are never awkward. They're never inappropriate. And they're never thoughtless. He puts infinite care into his blessings. And every gift is good and every gift is perfect. We are so unlike God. When it comes to gift giving and exchange, we're so unlike God. When it becomes December 24, and we're still then looking for that perfect gift and and we're just maybe procrastinating, just waiting for the day to disappear, and we're waiting to the last minute to buy the gift. We actually try to find anything that will successfully seal the gift exchange idea. In fact, the Wall Street Journal once ran an article on the awkwardness of exchanging gifts in the office among business associates. The author of the article wrote this, As if it's not hard enough to buy gifts for the family, Consider having to get a colleague something that does not break the bank, but seems thoughtful at the same time. The newspaper went on to describe a particular boss who gave his secretary a beautiful set of candles he found packed away in his home closet. So listen, the secretary bought him a gift of candles. He packed it away, put it in his closet, and he forgot about it. So as he's looking for the perfect gift to buy his secretary, he gave her the same set of candles she had given to him the Christmas before. Now, of course, ill feelings resulted. It took some time to heal if they ever do heal. But that's what we do. We wait to the last minute, and sometimes we just buy a gift just to, just to get him a gift and just get it over with. But fortunately, God does not actually action that way. God's gifts give us the most perfect gift imaginable. It's not thoughtless. It's not inappropriate. It's perfect in every possible way. Listen, in a world where gifts are weighted, on the day after Christmas, you'll go to the line to return an item on a day when you can't wait to return an item. With God's unchanging, everlasting, perfect gift, which, of course, is his son, you never will have a desire to return it. 
when you fully accept the perfect gift given to this world, which we know is Jesus, you'll soon realize as you grow in your faith that it was all you've ever needed. He didn't need anything else. Jesus, God's gift to mankind, is never awkward, never inappropriate, and never thoughtless. In fact, it is a gift of kindness. It is a gift of thoughtfulness. It is a gift of compassion. It is a gift of grace. Grace as in the fact of something that he gives us that we don't deserve. Do any of us actually be so bold to think that we deserve Jesus? None of us deserve this gift. But God gives us his gift. We don't deserve it. But by God's love, by God's grace, he offers us this unchanging, everlasting, and perfect gift given to all of mankind. John 1.16 says, From the fullness of his grace, we receive one blessing after another. Psalm 68.19, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefit. of your parent in the room, or maybe even a grandparent, then you know that there's times when your children are going to ask for something, and you're going to tell them, no, I'm not going to give that for you. Or, or you're, you're, you're tell them that if they begin to behave and quit their misbehaving and straighten up, then you might get that for them. And even when they misbehave continually, we still get them a gift. And why do we do that as parents? Because we love them. A desire for them to receive some sort of special gift. It, it may be something in that catalog, or it may be something they wrote on a list with Santa, or something they circled. And, and we tell them, we may actually joke and tell them they will straighten up and get better and behave. We're going to give them a lump of coal for, breakfast, for, uh, for, for Christmas. Or something like that. We may tell them something like that. But we still, in the end, come through and give them some sort of special gift because we love them. Simply because we love them. Similarly, it is of God, or He loves us. Despite the imperfections that we have, the life that we're living, the sinfulness we have, God loves us anyway. And He desires to give us the most perfect, special gift that we're blessed. We are blessed to celebrate this perfect gift every year at this time. Because God's greatest gift to mankind is Jesus himself. And really, it's up to us to receive the blessing nor decline it. I mean, God doesn't make us take this gift. You don't make your children take a gift. God gives us a choice to receive this gift or to decline it. So if you've never received a perfect gift, well, there's no better time than today. But for most of us who have, in fact, maybe of all of us who've received a perfect gift, the unchanging, everlasting gift of Jesus, then think about this. As you begin to give and receive gifts this Christmas, remember the theme that we started with here and that she even told the children that we should be thankful for the indescribable, perfect gift given to us. I talked about 2 Corinthians 9.15. Or as now James is telling us today, that we should give thanks to the Father for every good gift and every perfect gift in our life is given to us by the Father above. So we need to be thankful. 
certainly for this gift. As we're exchanging gifts this year, remember the most perfect gift is given to you by a loving Father, despite even the fact that we sin against him. Yes, he loves us that much anyway. Let's pray, Father. Lord, we thank you for this message today as it begins to help us for Christmas, realizing that we've got all kinds of gifts given this time of the year. Gifts, Lord, we give to others, gifts they may receive, but it tells us and reminds us again, Lord, as we maybe need to hear today, there's no better gift than the Son that you've given to us, your only Son. It's too wonderful for words. It's inexpressible, indescribable. Lord, we thank you then for not only your Son that you give us today as the most precious gift, but also then for the fact that you give us every blessing Every good thing we have in our life, Lord, comes from you. Today, as we come together and reflect upon that, we just say thank you. Today, we express our gratitude and our thankfulness for you being the giver of good gifts, the blessings we have. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.